There could be a million places. You could be on vacation today, but this is the best place to be right here, right now. And it's good to look around and see the family of faith coming together. Amen. How many know it's the weather's getting a little bit hotter? Amen. And this, we're saying next week it's going to be in the triple digits all week long. I promise you, the house of the Lord is a lot hotter than the weather. Come on, somebody. God is a lot hotter than that. Amen. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord where we could turn the heat up in the spirit. Amen. Where we could come together and hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. How many know that the Bible says our Father is a consuming fire, even a jealous God? Well, you look at your name and say, God is jealous about you. Oh, y'all said it like it wasn't about nothing. <laughs> but how many know having a jealous God is a wonderful thing? Amen. That God is thinking about you. Okay, so check this out. Today is the last message in the sermon on Pastor's Peeves. Uh, we're getting into, uh, uh, I'm going to say, uh, uh, we are hitting the zenith. We are at the apex of this series in a message entitled, Be Perfect. Next week, we start a brand new series uh, entitled, God Said It. And so I'm going to teach you what God said, and not only what God said, but I'm going to give you the symbolisms of what God said to help you understand just how powerful the Word of God is. Amen. And so we'll go through that series. We'll see how long it takes. I think there's maybe three or four messages in that series, and we'll finish out maybe the month of July as we uh, celebrate the Word of the Lord, the voice of God. Amen. You hear me say it every Sunday, the greatest thing that could ever happen to you is to hear God's voice we're going to talk about that a little bit, amen. And I, I always say that every Sunday, but we're going to actually dig a little deeper than we normally go. So let's do this today. I want you to stand, and I'm going to read something to you today. Uh, that's going to, that I, I pray that this message, as we say back in the day, will rattle your cage, right? This message is entitled, Be Perfect, right? Uh, and I'm preaching this message to a culture who says, well, nobody's perfect. And so I want to teach you this, be perfect. And, and, and if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 11 through 13, if I remember that correctly. And, 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 but, I, but I want to draw your attention to a statement that, that Paul gives to the church at Ephesia. Uh, just a statement, because I want to teach you what is, what does it mean to be perfect, right? And so... We're going to get into that today, uh, and, and above all, I pray that as we get into this message, I'm actually going to teach today uh, the conversation that God is having with us for the state of perfection, and I just want you to lay hold of this before you leave today, and I believe if you, if you lay hold of it, it will revolutionize your Christian faith, amen. We all need a little bit of that. If you're in Ephesians chapter 4, read with me. I'm starting at verse 11. Some of you might be familiar with the fivefold offices of the church. But I want to get to a, a statement here in verse 13, which to me best describes what it is to be a perfect man or a perfect woman. So it begins like this, Ephesians 4, beginning verse 11, and it says this. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. Look what it says here. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now watch this. Till we all come in the unity of faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God, watch this, unto a perfect man, watch this, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just pause on that. I'm going to read that statement one more time. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, you know the enemy is going to try to interrupt that in your mind, right? There's going to be distractions. There's going to be things going on. So look at your neighbor right now and say, I don't need no mint. I don't need no conversation. (laughs) I got to lay hold of this message because we're talking about the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I know it's going to benefit your life. Are y'all ready to pray? Come on, let's pray. Let's just settle in. We've got about 30 minutes. So let's just, let's just settle ourselves just for a moment that we can gather in that which God is giving to us today. Holy Spirit, oh, we need your help. Uh, c- c- cover this, cover this, uh, this, our sanctuary. Uh, these are listeners, those that tune in by stream, those that will watch this message on YouTube uh, or, or those that are turning on churchstreamtv.com as they watch through the week as people tune into the ministry uh, we pray for an overwhelming spiritual breakthrough for every listener to hear what it is to be perfect Father you are desiring us to be perfect in your sight Holy Spirit we need your help bring this message let, let it Let it fall upon the hearts and minds of the people of God such that there be no confusion. That they would leave here apprehending. That they would walk from here with the knowledge of who you are and what you desire of us. Let your purpose be uncovered. We pray your help, your strength as only you could give it. And we pray it in no other name that we know but that beautiful name we call Jesus. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering in the house of the Lord. Listen. I want you to go find five people, and I want you to tell them this, be perfect, be perfect. Go find them. Go tell them and say, be perfect. Go tell them, say, be perfect. Go tell them, say, be perfect, be perfect, be perfect, be perfect, be perfect. Be perfect. Tommy, be perfect, my brother. Joshy, be perfect. Be perfect. Stacy, be perfect. Thank you. Be perfect. Be perfect. Be perfect. Be perfect. Be perfect. perfect be perfect be perfect how awesome it is how awesome it is I I, want to begin today by stating to you 
your value in the sight of God. I, I, I want to use the scripture in one of the greatest conversations that Jesus ever expounded in the value of a human soul. It's found in St. Matthew 16. This is the story where the Bible says when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, to whom do they say the son of man am? Some of you are familiar with that particular passage because it was Peter who said, and I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, to whom Jesus began to expound to him the power of the kingdom of heaven. Some of you know this story right well because as soon as Jesus began to tell the disciples how he would have to go into Jerusalem, how he must suffer from the, from the elders and chief priests and scribes and how he would be killed and raised again on the third day, the Bible says that Peter said, far be it from me, Lord, I'll never let that happen to you. <laughs> Y'all remember the rebuke of the Lord to Peter when he says, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And then Jesus said this. If any man desire to come after me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. And whosoever will lose his name, lose his life for my name's sake shall find it. Then he says this. For what is profited if a man... Gain the whole world, watch this, and lose his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for it? Mankind had never heard, had any facsimile, any knowledge of just how valuable they were in the sight of God. Brother and sister, can I contend with you that the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul? We didn't know how valuable we were to God. None of us understood our worth before God. Jesus said, if a man would, listen, gain the world and lose his soul, what has he profited? Have you ever stopped to understand how God has given us an idea of what we mean to him, the value that you have with God? You ever stopped to think about what he's saying? Listen, the Bible says, love not the world. This is John, the beloved, writing the second chapter of the book of John. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. For if any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This is not of God. But Jesus is showing us that everything in the world, everything that you might see, everything that you might take pleasure in. Have you ever thought about the value of the world? How many know the world is valuable? All the global economies, all of the economies combined. For all the things that a man could attain, a woman could attain in this world, that if you were to gather all of the world, if you were to surmise all its wealth, and if you possessed it, you couldn't buy your soul. Think about that for a minute. Think about the idea that if you had everything there was to offer in this world, if you stood before God on judgment day, you couldn't of yourself say, well, for my soul, I give to you in exchange this thing, that, or the other. And God is saying, you are more valuable than that. Oh, that you would hear that. 
that somebody in here would understand just how valuable you are in the sight of God, the one who made you. You are worth more than the whole world in the mind of God. We usually don't think like that. I would suppose to you that, that maybe some of you might have a child or somebody in your presence. You say, and we say it one to another, I love you more than the whole world. Uh, we learn to give estimated value. I mean, what would you give for, uh, for your eyesight? Or what would you give for your ability to walk, to talk, to move? Well, it, it, it's priceless. And God is saying to you, you are priceless in my sight. I just want you to get that because the problem in the church is we don't know what we're dealing with in transaction with God. How many did they know that when Jesus came, he brought everything? <laughs> How many know when Jesus came to you, he comes with everything? Come on, raise your hand if you know that. When Jesus comes, he said, listen, I want to make a transaction for you. I'm giving to you everything, now you give to me everything. That's who we're dealing with. This isn't no a small transaction in heaven. This is a big transaction, right? Uh, listen to this. L let me show you the incomparable worth of the blood of Jesus. Do you know that the Bible says that he is, watch this, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not our sins only, but listen, for the sins of the whole world. Think about that for a minute. Stop and consider that Jesus died, his blood was sufficient, listen, to save everybody. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. I mean, I know you got saved. Give him a neighbor a high five and said, I'm glad you got saved. But Jesus says, if any man come unto me, if he can profess with his mouth, if he can confess that I am the Lord and that I rose on the third day, he shall be saved. In other words, his blood saves everybody if they'll apply the blood. Because not everybody's saved. Think about how rich that is. That when God was trying to find you because you didn't find God, God found you. You didn't chose him, he chose you. And when God was trying to reconcile himself back to man, he brought everything that he had. And he shows you just of infinite worth how great the Messiah is. His blood is real and it costs God everything. Do, do you know that the Bible says, know ye not, watch, watch let me just, let me start. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, that you have of God, listen, and that ye are, and that, and that ye are of God, bought of God. Let me repeat that one more time. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? Ye are of God. Anybody know this? The Bible says, and you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Do you understand that today there's a transaction with God towards you, that God gives everything to buy you? And that it took everything to purchase you because you are of great worth in the sight of God. You cost God everything because you're worth everything to God. Did you catch that? Let me say that one more time. You cost God everything because you are worth everything to God. Let me say that one more time because you need to know how God talks, right? Because 
Part, partly why we don't understand the Bible is because we don't understand how God talks, what he's talking about. He says, listen, I'm giving everything for you because you're worth everything to me. Uh, and, that, and that's important that you know that. Because anytime you put money on the table, anytime you make a, an expense, there's always an expectation. Anybody ever spend a lot of money? And when you spend money, there's an expectation when you spend your money. Come on, somebody. Somebody raise your hand and say, that's true. Whenever you spend some money, I mean, you, you, you could have a $2,500 bucket you drive, and you don't expect nothing from that. But once you spend 25000 then there's an expectation. Come on, somebody. When you spend money, there's expectation. Right? You can go to the dollar store and, and forget your bag and not worry about going back. But if you went to Louis Vuitton and bought you something left in the back, you going back. You turning around, you doing a U-turn, right? Because the more you spend, the greater the expectation. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The more money you spend, the greater the expectation gets. I want you to know that God spent everything. So his expectation is high. Yeah. Why wouldn't he tell you, be perfect? I spent everything to get you. See, 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 when you don't understand what the transaction, I think modern Christianity doesn't paint the full picture of just what it costs to bring you back to God. And it cost him everything. So when you approach God, you know what he says? I want you to be perfect. Let, 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 let me go a little deeper. You want to go deeper? So Jesus says this uh, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, St. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 in particular. He says this, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. In other words, the Greek says, be telios, which means to be, be mature. And, and, and that's why I'm preaching the message, Pastor Peeve, because, you know, you need to be mature. Uh, you, you know, I am here for the perfecting of the saints. Why? Because I want you to be mature. Look at your name and say, stop being immature. Uh, th th there is profound immaturity in the church. Profound immaturity. Now, now, now look around. Look around. Just real quick. Just look around. There's a lot of immaturity in here. And how many know, how many know that you can be old and be immature? But just because you got white hairs, don't put your head back because you might be the one I'm talking to. There's a lot of immature people. And I pray to God that I'm today speaking to your immaturity. People say, you know, because I'm here to qualify these things because God sent me to help you to be perfect. To become perfect. To start that process of perfection before God. In other words, for you to start maturing. And it's time. Look at your neighbor and say, man, it is time for you to start maturing. We've been waiting a long time, man. We've been dealing with you for 10 years and we've just been waiting for you to grow up. It's time to be full. It's time to be complete. Uh, this pastor's peeves, you know. There's a level of frustration when you've been preaching a long time and you want people to mature. 
Just grow up in the kingdom to become a full adult. We're waiting for you, right? And so I want you to hear that the sign of, and I'm, I'm going to teach you what that means to be uh, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want you to understand something unique. How many know that maturity happens when you start recognizing what's important? Uh, I'm talking to somebody, you know, that, 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 that somebody today would begin to recognize What's important? You know it takes maturity to discriminate what, what is important to. In other words, to be able to prioritize. Oh, I'm talking. I know I'm talking when it gets real quiet because I'm talking about you prioritizing maturing to begin to identify what's most important to a lot of you listen and i say this because you might be like solomon who lost his mind in wisdom because how many know that with wisdom comes frustration vexation how many know that you more that you know uh, the, the, the more vexed you are the more frustrated you are i tell the first lady sometimes the things the spirit of the lord says to me even while i'm asleep i wake up and i am vexed in my spirit Sometimes I'm like Job and I say, Lord, that's too lofty for me. That's too much for me. I can't comprehend that. To even begin to comprehend what he did to rescue me and the price that he paid. That I might come and say, Lord, you can have my life. It is yours. Do whatever you want with it. You know, there's vexation. And part of the frustration I think a lot of Christians feel is that we've, we've watered down Christianity to make you think it was, it was nothing. Like, 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 you know, Christianity ain't nothing. Listen, brothers and sisters, family, church, friends, God paid everything because you were worth everything to him. That's why you have a jealous God. Your God is hot in love with you. Your God wants you. Your God paid for you. He wants to know you. He wants to have relationship with you. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Talking to somebody. For you to understand just how real this transaction is. And if you never come full circle in understanding what God is doing, you're not going to understand how he talks. He says, be mature. Be perfect. Some of you, as you've gotten a little older, you begin to say within yourselves, well, you know, we start putting value in different things. That's why the Bible says, God's your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Anybody ever got caught up in something? Maybe you're in a relationship and you put all yourself into a relationship only to find out that you didn't get nothing back, nothing in return. You don't have to raise your hand. I can see it in your face what you did. You, I can see the way your clothes look. Your buttons don't even match up. You, one shoe's not even tied. I, I know who you are. People was telling you that person ain't no good for you. Get away from him. But you kept going. You know, you, you went past all of the roadblocks and all of the hindrances and all of the, the conversations of people that really loved you, try to help guide you out of that. But you know, some of us are still very immature. We put all our value into relationships. There's some parents in here that said to themselves, I want to be the best parent ever. 
And there you go, running to every game and everything, and you're all over the place. You, 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 you're the PTA president. You're you helping over here at the Rotary Club. You're, you're, you're helping over there. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're, you're putting on the big, uh, you're part of the neighborhood watch committee, and you're the president of everything under the sun. Because that's where you've put your value. Some of y'all put your value in your marriage. All of your value is a spouse to your spouse. That's why you get all frustrated and, and, and all upset and all touchy when you don't get back what you put in. I got a lot of immaturity in the church. I just got to talk about it. It's pastor's thieves. Be careful what you invest in. Because what you invest in, you have expectation, even if you don't communicate it. How many know there's a lot of people right now frustrated on an expectation, and the expectation you've never told the person, you expect that? How many have expectations, but you never told the person you had an expectation? And when they didn't do the expectation, you was all upset and angry and, and not wanting to talk, and you over there in the corner eating your bread all by yourself, and people asking, what's wrong with you? Oh, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. And you're all upset. about expectations that the person doesn't even know you have about them. Everywhere we state a value, we have an expectation. So be careful what you value. Some of you value your job. And, and all of your self-esteem comes from your boss, from your coworkers. Your job is really the king of the hill. It's not Jesus and the king. Your job is king. You think that it's your job that produces your income. Oh, I'm talking now. Oh, I feel El Ojo right now, Doc. That's all right with me. Think, think, think about some of you. Your job is how you value yourself. You are so concerned about your reputation at your place of work. You show up early. You work late. Anything the boss tells you to do, there you go. Anything that you need to do to improve your value at your job, that you do. And, and God will always throw a little wrinkle in like a pink slip, like a demotion to show you that that's not the source. Do you know how long it takes for people to mature? Do, do, do you really know how long it takes for people to really begin to identify what is the greatest value? Do, do you know how long that takes? There's so many things competing in a value system that you've never bothered to prioritize. It's a sign that you might be immature. When you look at your neighbor and say, it's probably you. Just tap them, just tap them and say, you know what, get up right now and, and go find five people and tell them uh, you're really very immature. You get up right now, find five people and just tell them you're very immature. Right, rise up, stand up. I'm not going to preach another word till you get up out of your seat, go find somebody and say, pastor's talking about you because it's really you that's immature. You're immature. 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 Just, just go say, man, that's you. Come on, let's get real. Get real with it. 
Pastor talking about you. You're immature. And you know what's a trip? Somebody's mad right now that you told them you said they was immature. That's how immature you really are. Solomon lost his mind in this very equation. Solomon lost his wits. He, he was vexing his spirit. He says, listen, I, I've got to get, I've got to find out what's the greatest value in life. So you know what he said he'd do? He said, you know what? I'm just going to party. Why y'all looking at me funny? You lived half your life partying. You said, I'm happiest when I can party, y'all. So, so he gave his life to partying. And at the end, he said, it's all a vanity. It's all a loss. It's number pride. He says, you know what I'm going to do? You know how I'm going to get here? I, 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 what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to drink, start drinking some wine. Let me, let me see. I know I got the Holy Spirit, but let me try a, a Jack Daniel spirit, see what he does. He lived his life for a season just getting drunk. Because how many know wisdom doesn't always take you to God? And at the end, I guess, over his, you know, 10th hangover, he said, ah, this ain't nothing but a vanity. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get smart. I'm going to start reading books. I'm going to apply myself into knowledge. I'm going to invest myself, listen to this, into education. That's what I value. I value the books. Anybody value books? I mean, you know, books are expensive. You don't think so? Look at your student loan balance. He said, I'm going I'm, I'm to go study. I'm, I'm going to be a man of the mind. I, I'm going to apply my wisdom into studying. And after he studied and, and read books and applied himself to knowledge, he says, now I'm more anxious and more frustrated than I've ever been. It's all a vanity. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to build things. He said, after I build public gardens and I build palaces and I built the nation of Israel, I looked over it and I said to myself, oh, it's all a vanity. It's all a waste of time. There's no value in that. If you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, can I encourage you to do so? The most prolific thing that Solomon ever said in all his wisdom is found in the last two verses of the last chapter, 12th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. This is what he says. And let us hear the conclusion on the matter. He says, fear God and obey his commandments. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. Do you know that one day you will stand before God on the work that you did? 
Do you know that there's coming a day, a judgment day, where God is going to demand of you when you stand before him, are you perfect? Because that's the demand of a holy God. Got to be perfect. In other words, you've got to be mature. Now, now stop and reflect for a moment before we get out of here. Where are you putting your value? Where's your work? Is your work into motherhood? Is your work into fatherhood? I'm not saying all the things inherently of themselves are bad or immoral. I just want you to take the next step in the rung of maturity, to actually put your work into the fullness of what God has for you. It's called maturity. Can I suggest to you that the greatest place to put your work or your value is in the thing that values you the most? Let me say it one more time. Because you know how many know you could do things for people, but if they don't value, they're not going to value what you do. Let me say that one more time for somebody. How many know there's people you love, but they don't value you, and you could do all the work under the sun. But if they don't give value to you, they're not going to appropriate back to you a a, a level of expectation or a level of love or appreciation. How many know we're living in a culture, first of all, with unthankful people? How many know today you could do things for people, and they don't even bother to say, thank you. (laughs) Mama, look at all the work you do around the house. And you say, he don't even say thank you. It's been been 10 months. Whole year cooking and cleaning and doing all the things that mama's doing. Sometimes, how many know we say it's a thankless job? Not so with God. The Father sent me this morning to tell you put your work in me. Let me get back to the text. All of the work of the kingdom of heaven, the fivefold offices of the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, everything in the house of God is doing one thing, making you perfect. And it's the work of the ministry, it's the work of the pastor to draw you into that perfect work, into maturity. Well, what is maturity? How do we qualify what maturity is? You might want to write this down. What is maturity? Right? Because a lot of people think that maturity is bringing the King James Version of the Bible to church. A lot of people say, oh, he's real mature. Look, he said amen, hallelujah. How many know people can operate in spiritual gifts and be very immature with God? I mean, you know that a prophet can be immature. He or she can be immature. How many, how many know you can do miracles in Jesus' name and yet Jesus not know you? Y'all got to hear what I'm saying. Just not, not everyone that comes unto me saying, Lord, Lord, shall enter to the kingdom of heaven. So what is maturity? Anybody want to know? I mean, I would think you'd want that. Maturity is quantified like this in the scripture. To be in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now now, now think about this for a minute. God invested so much in you that he believes you can be Jesus. 
Say that again, preach. God invested so much in you that he believes you can be Jesus. Everybody's looking all shell-shocked like I just dropped a bomb on you. Let, let, let me digress for a minute because sometimes digression helps you to see the picture. I tell my kids, you were raised literally almost in a perfect home. There's not dysfunction in my house. If you don't think so, ask my kids. Well, your parents dysfunctional. I'll tell you, no, my parents are not dysfunctional. We may be weird. But I'll tell you, it takes one to know one. <laughs> How many know that all of you are weird? You are not normal. You are weird. If you don't think so, let somebody live with you for a week, and they'll end up saying, man, you're a really weird person. <laughs> but how many know weird doesn't mean there's dysfunction? My children grew up in a perfect home. So because they grew up in a perfect home, when they went to school, I expected Perfection. And when my kids brought home a report card, I said, Dad, look, all 95s. I said, you ain't cutting it, Jack. Because I want hundos. I, I want to see 100. And if you make a 99, I want to know where that point went. Y'all ain't hearing me. And if you brought home an 89, go upstairs. Be up there in just a little while. I want you to meditate on what you're about to get. Yeah. If the teacher sent home a little issue about conduct, they weren't acting right, they were acting up in class, you were going to get it when you got home. Why? Because you came out of a perfect place. And I expected you to be a representation of my home at school. Are you shocked? You come out of a perfect house. This is the house of God. I expect you to be just like my son Jesus. I invested everything in you to be like him. So what is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? It's simple. It's the Holy Ghost operating by fruit. <laughs> you, you see, fruit is a sign that you're mature. Uh, you, you got your Bibles, right? Open your Bibles, uh, St. John 59. And I'm, I'm almost done. Look at your name and say, he's almost done. It's only been 30 minutes. How many of you know some people are so, are so broke this morning they can't pay attention? Oh, I'm helping somebody, man, you know. Brothers and sisters, you, you know, your attention span's got to get better. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, St. John 15, St. John 15. See, see, those kids that went to college, they're still, they're still stuck. How many know college kids got good attention spans? They, you had to learn how to listen. How many know what I'm talking about? Like when you go to college, man, the, 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 the professor comes up and he's just lecturing. And sometimes he talks like this the whole way through and all he's doing is in one tone and he's talking like this. And you just got to write the notes. You know, got to read the book. <laughs> so you learn how to pay attention. Are you other St. John 15? Let, let me say this. How, how many have ever heard this before? This is Galatians 5.22. 
And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If those things don't typify your life, you are immature. For those of you praying, Lord, give me patience, that's the apex of immaturity. I'm not even going to say raise your hand if you pray for patience. You don't pay for patience. You are patient if you're in the Spirit. You, you would never pray, Lord, give me, I want to be a loving person. How immature is that prayer? You are loving if you're in the Spirit. Oh, I wish I loved my husband the way I loved him 10 years ago. Do you know how immature? When the father hears that, oh. He, how many know God is long-suffering? You know, that's, he suffers long, you know, when we pray things that are just so immature. How, how many have ever had an immature conversation with somebody? And you're trying to explain someone, they're just so immature, and you're going back and forth. Oh, my God. Oh, let's talk another time. Come back tomorrow. I need a break. Oh. You can imagine the Father in heaven. Lord, I need my joy. Oh, God. Oh. I've already given you that. Do you know how immature those prayers are? Does anybody understand how immature it is to ask for something you already have? Let's go through the list again. You've got all the love you need. You've got all the joy you need. Oh, my life, I just need some peace. You've got that. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, you've got all the peace you need if you're in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, all of that manifests itself. You're not asking for peace. You're thanking God for it. Lord, thank you for the peace that I have. Lord, thank you for the joy that's in my heart. Lord, thank you for the love that abounds in me. Do you know, listen, do you know today, I don't even want to raise your hand. Well, well let's do it. Let's do it. Just, just, just so you could see how many weird people are here. Be truthful. How many today would say you have an enemy? Okay, so everybody that didn't raise their hand, those are the weird people right there. <laughs> they don't even know that people hate them. That's weird. That's weird. Let's do it again. How many know you got an enemy? Look at all the hands that went up. I don't want to be the weird one at the church. L listen, let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. Do you know that the love of God is so rich in your life that you can love your enemies? That's how much love you got. Love is never in short supply if you're in the Holy Ghost. Patience is never in short supply when you've got the Holy Ghost. Gentleness is never in short supply when you've got the Holy Ghost. Meekness, temperance, self-control, all of these wonderful things are with you already if you'll just walk in the Holy Spirit. If you walk in the Holy Ghost, you are in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ.
So this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Put your value in the thing that has the greatest value and the greatest expectation of return back into your life. How many know that when you make an investment, you want a return on your investment? Uh, God invested everything. He's expecting everything back in return. Let me show you how shrewd God is. I'm closing. I'm closing. Look at your neighbor and say, he's got five closes. Number one. The Bible says that God gives talents. Show you how shrewd God is. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And when he came back to say, what did you give me back? God wants 100% return. The one that had five said, I got ten. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the world which I prepared for you for the foundation of the world. He went to the one he gave two. And to the two he gave back four. He says, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the reward which I prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And to the one he gave one, he brought zero. God said, take that servant, tie him up, and throw him out into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth because I demand a return. And you think about that. The hour of your standing before God is arriving in your life. Be mature. Go ahead and reprioritize and put your investment back into God. Now, let me, let me tell you how great that is. How many, know, how many know that if God gave everything to get you and, and expects everything back, it's because he thinks you're that valuable. How many know God thinks you're that valuable? Listen, I know God, and the Bible says, and all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Everything works for my favor. Why? Because I am favored of God. Right? Raise your hand and say, I'm favored of God. I'm favored of God. Now watch. I want you to see something. I want you to hear something prolific. I want you to hear something prolific. God is always speaking at the apex. Watch this. Watch this. Here, check this out. And being confident of this very thing. Listen, and being confident of this very thing that he which began a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God starts in you, he's going to finish it. Somebody say hallelujah, man. I, I, I'm so thankful that, that, that I have value with God because God put value in me because God put value in me. He's going to make sure... That I get through, that I get the job done, that I reach that state of perfection. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I should bring this up, but th- this morning when I was at, at, at the front just welcoming people, my, my man Gilbert came through, and we just started ch- ch- chatting and talking as we always do. And he said, you know, I asked his son, CJ, CJ, what you got going on? He said, well, listen, I'm going to start my own business. And then his dad said, well, I, I'm going to invest in that business. I said, hallelujah. And, and so, CJ, I want you to know something. Your dad isn't investing in your business. He's investing in you. Because, see, somebody knows you well enough to say there's qualities in you that I can invest in. Because, see, CJ, if you, if you were just laying around playing video games and not worried about nothing and you just taking your time and you were slothful and lazy and you weren't about nothing and you had a bad attitude, there'd be no investment. Doesn't mean your daddy wouldn't love you. He just wouldn't invest in you. Because he sees qualities in you, Mule. He says, I'm going to invest in that. And I know I'm going to give back a return. 
And how many know the Father is delighted when you produce good fruit? Are you there, St. John 59? I didn't forget. I know where I'm going. I do this for a living. In preaching for 27 years, I think I know where I left off. Now, when I stop, you may want to check with the first lady, see if I'm getting a little too old. That day may come. Are you there, St. John 15? I want to read something here. I just want to read this to the church because I think there's a lot of people that don't understand just how successful you can be in Christ. That being, the, that being in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ isn't some anomaly, it isn't some pipe dream, it isn't some Christians believing something they can't achieve. This is the purpose of God in you. And, and, and of course, some of y'all know this is I am the vine. You're the branches. God trims them branches. He prunes them. But, but, but notice here, verse 7 and 8. He says this. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Oh, come on, somebody. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. Well, what fruit? Fruit of the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit. He says, so shall ye be my disciples. Let's see what time it is. Let, let, let me do this. Can I throw some at you? Uh, how, about, how about this? How about if I speak something prophetic over somebody? Y- y- y'all want to stand? Stand with me. I'm going to speak something prophetic. I'm just going to say something. I want to speak something prophetic. The Spirit of the Lord, share with me a prophetic word. I- I'm going to give it to you as God gave it then. Let me say this to somebody today. A prophetic word is a prophetic word, but the work of a prophetic word only happens when you receive it. Let me say that one more time. How many know that a prophet can speak to you, but if you don't receive what's spoken, you remain the same? It's only when you hear that word and you say, I'm going to take that word to myself. I'm going to hold on to that. Does that word actually have effect in your life? So I'm going to speak a prophetic word. Are you all ready? Uh, so for some of you that will remember this and lay hold of this, it's found in Judges chapter 6. Uh, this is the story. Of course, you know, the nation of Israel uh, went through cycles of serving and not serving God or serving God and serving other gods. They went through all these cycles. Uh, we, we find the nation of Israel at a, at a cycle, should I, should, I, should I actually go down this way, where they were serving other gods, putting value in other gods but Yahweh. Y'all catch that? And the Bible says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So God caused their enemy, the Midianites, to come down upon Israel to literally devour the land. The, the Bible says they were innumerable. Uh, the Bible says like grasshoppers, too many to count. And, and whenever Israel would plant crops or put something in the ground, uh, guess what? Uh, they came and wiped it clean. And, and the people of Israel were impoverished. The Bible says that they were living in dens and in caves in the mountains. J- just trying to find a morsel to eat. And I believe there's people in here like that. So listen, see, see if you can draw a correlation. Between being at a, at a time of lack, right, where, where things aren't, 
things are in short supply. It seems like there's a delay, like something's frustrating the purpose of God. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. So God sent a prophet, and the prophet said, I need to tell you something. God delivered you. You remember? Remember when you were in bondage to Egypt, how delivered you with the great hand, with the power? And then he says, then the prophet says this to the nation of Israel, but you've not obeyed his voice. We know what his voice is to serve him and him only. Watch this. So I'm talking to every parent in here, every mama, whose value is in motherhood, not in God. And I say not in God, that God's not first. I'm talking to every person in here with the job, whose job is taken over as the source of your income. For everybody here whose God is second, he sent me to tell you this. So, so God, watch this. God sent an angel. The angel was sitting under an Oprah tree. Not Oprah. Oprah tree. And he was sitting there. Uh, and the Bible says that there was a man by the name of Gideon who was the son of Joash and Abizrite came to a threshing floor to thresh wheat uh, to hide it from the Midianites. So, so he's, he's trying to make something to eat without anybody noticing. He's scared. In fact, uh, the, the Bible says that Gideon said of himself that he's of the tribe of Vanessa and he says, and of my tribe, I'm the weakest one. You know why he's the weakest one? He's the baker. He bakes biscuits, bread, buns, loaves of bread. He's not a fighter. He's not a warrior. He's not inclined to that sort of thing. There he is trying to bake some bread. And an angel appears. And the angel tells him, Gideon, watch this. This, I want you to hear how God talks. He doesn't say, Gideon, I know you're weak. He didn't say, Gideon, listen, I I know why you're hiding. Uh, Gideon, I, I, I know your situation is dire. That's not how the angel talked. That's not how God talks. God never talks. He never condescends his speech. He's always speaking at the apex. He's always speaking at the high thing. God doesn't see you low. He sees you high. God doesn't see you broken. He sees you whole. And he always speaks to the wholeness. He always speaks to you at the apex. Why? Because he's invested in you. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the angel says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He says, Gideon, I'm sending you to the Midianites that you would smite them as one man. You know, the Bible says, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. Oh, that one could put a thousand to flight and two his ten thousands. How wise are you today? That you would say, today I'm going to put my value in the highest thing I'm going to put my value such that my concentration my level of involvement with God now is walking in the fruit of the spirit of God and it's as simple as that it's as simple as a believer putting concentration on the work of God by the Holy Spirit and saying Father I know that there's love there's joy there's peace There's long-suffering, there's gentleness, there's goodness, there's faith, there's meekness, there's temperance. There's every single thing at my disposal, and I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to walk that out. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to start professing I've got all the love in the world. 
I'm going to receive that joy I have of God because he's invested in me. If you're here today, and I always like to be the first one to step down, but Jesse beat me to it. I stand here because you know what? I have to reprioritize. I do it every day. I can't let anything get in front of God. I have to be perfect. And you do too. And the Spirit of God is going to help you to be perfect because He produces that fruit in your life. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, you know what? I, I want to walk that way. I want to walk in the fullness of love, in the fullness of joy, in the fullness of peace, in the fullness of patience. I want to walk in the fullness of gentleness, in the fullness of goodness, in the fullness of faith, in the fullness of meekness and, and temperance, which is the Bible says self-control. I want to have all of that. And I want to put my concentration to that. Why don't you join me at the altar? Let's make a transaction with God. Come on, let's just make a transaction. It won't take you that long, and it's worth the effort to say, I'm going to make that transaction. I'm going to make that transaction. You, you, you know, what we're doing here is what we can do every day, and, and, and it is a concentration, right? It's a concentration we do every day. Amen. Brother Kevin, we do it every day, my brother. Isaiah, we do it every day. We just make that concentration. Shane, we do it every day. It's a concentration, right? Just a concentration. Look, and I just want you to teach you the pattern of what it is to operate, watch this, in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, what was that? The fruit of the Spirit. That's the work that we do. This is the work of being perfect. This is the work of maturity. And you even coming down here is a sign that you're maturing. Because I pray like, if you're like me, I want to be whole. I want to be perfect. I want, to be, I want to be like my Father in heaven. I want to be like my big brother, Jesus. Now, brother and sister, I know you're being changed from glory to glory, and maturity doesn't happen all at once. But we had to first take that step, and this is what we're doing this morning, right? We're doing it this morning. I got an amen on that? We're just doing it this morning. This, this is where we start. This is how Harvest Point matures, begins to mature. So, 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 so. I'm going to pray a, a guided prayer. You can pray along with me, but, or pray with me however you'd like. Just kind of a guided prayer. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray aloud. Uh, and I think you'll get the gist, what we're trying to do collectively together as in the unity of our faith. Come on. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray this. Father, you love me with all of your fullness. Nobody has ever valued me like you. Father, you loved me first. Even while I was still yet a sinner, you sent your son to die for me. Father, you sent Jesus to be that legal payment for the whole world. And if any man would come, they could be saved all that they would come. And friend, let me tell you, if you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus, the greatest expression of love ever said, ever spoken, there's nothing greater than this, my friend. If you're hearing my voice, let me tell you something. God loved you with everything he had. And he sent his son to embody that love for you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish 
and have everlasting life. Friend, when you receive Jesus, you receive the love of God towards you in a person. And all you got to do is confess and say, I believe. I believe on his name. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose. And the Bible says, you shall be saved. It's that simple. His blood is that rich. You are purchased of God. You belong to him. He belongs to you. The father says, you'll be a son to me. And I'll be a father to you. Oh, it's marvelous. Oh, don't walk out of here not accepting him. Don't walk out of here. I beseech you. Oh, that I could grab you and hold you till you came to that saving knowledge. Receive him today. Receive him today. Say, Jesus, I receive you as the token of the love of God towards me. Listen, do you know what you're receiving is a, is a price paid that had never been paid before? Brother and sister, you could tap your chest and say, God loved me with the love that has, cannot be measured. The breadth, the length, the height, the depth, which cannot be known how much God loves me. He values me. Will you tap your chest? Say, God valued me more than anybody's ever valued me. More than my mother, more than my father, more than my wife, more than my husband, more than a workplace, more than my kids, more than a grandparent. God loves me more than anyone. And so today, I choose to reciprocate that love. He kept me first. Now I'm going to make him first. That's how we're talking. This is maturity talking. Because you love me. I'm going to love you right back. I'm going to make you my highest place of value. And you see, if I'm going to love my wife, I'm going to love them through your love. If I'm going to love my, my, my husband, I'm going to love him through your love. Whatever I do is going to flow from you, Father. Thereby, your fruit will manifest your work. Brother and sister, I want you to know today, my love for the first lady is not mine, but his. <laughs> I'm just a conduit. I'm just a vessel. Just a vessel. The joy that I have is not my joy, but the joy of the Lord. The Bible says, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not my joy, it's his. You see, you understand that? I get to participate in it, but it belongs to him. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Today, Father, you become number one. You're the highest place of value. Today, maturity is putting my attention to the highest thing of value, the place where I believe I'll get the greatest return. So I put my, I put my love, I put my life in you, Father. I put my faith in you, God. I give all of that to you, Lord. Let me go out and be what I need to be to everything else. Let me go out and be that good mother. Let me go out and be that good father. Let me be, go out and be that good worker. Let me, go, let me go out and be that laborer that everybody esteems, not because it's me, but because it's you working through me. I put my faith, my trust, my hope, my energy, my strengths into you, God. Holy Spirit, do what you do. So let's go through it. I just want you to put your hand on your chest real quick. I'm going to go through it. And I'm going to state it as a statement, not, not, a, not a, 
I'm going to state it as a statement. I just want you to pray with me now. Holy Spirit, in you, I have agape love. In you, I have joy unspeakable. In you, I have peace beyond understanding. Oh. <laughs> I have suffering patience. Oh. We're stating it as a positive. In you, I'm as as gentle as a breeze. Yes, gentle. In you, I'm as good as the Father. Holy Spirit, in you, I have faith that that can move mountains. Yeah. Yeah, are you hearing this? In you, I have meekness and dependence on God. Now watch this. In you I have temperance. I have self-control over every vice, over everything. All I have to do is abide. Holy Spirit, do your work. Holy Spirit, do your work. Take take a moment in faith. I'm going to let you pray on your own here right real quick. I just want you to pray on your own in the Holy Spirit and just, just affirm these. Thank Him for it. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to thank you. That in you is everything. In you is the, is the, is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just, just thank Him. Just, just right there where you are. Go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and thank Him. Go ahead and do it. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. patient just for a moment. Just be patient. Just be patient. Just be patient. Just 
this. Listen to this. For this cause I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now listen, here's, here's, listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking now. Listen. That ye may be rooted and grounded in love. That you, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth. Now listen. And length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ. Listen, church. God gave everything, 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 everything. God loved you so much that he gave everything. And what did he give? He gave Jesus. Listen, you need to know that. Saints, you need to know that. That today you are highly valued in the Lord. You might need to start tapping yourself, saying, I'm a saint of God. I'm a true saint. 